0: Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. We're so glad to have you here. I'm seeing several of our college students uh, back right now, and if that's you, just know we're thrilled to see you, and we continue to pray for you as you are off in other places. I know some others have family in, and you are most welcome Uh, All the folks at home know we love you. We're praying for you over this Christmas and holiday season. Now, I need to let the folks at home know something that those of you who are here won't see, and that is, uh, folks at home, I understand we're having problems with some of the images that people who are here will see in person, and we're having trouble getting that out to you. And so you'll be able to watch the live video. You'll be stuck with me, not the images our folks are seeing. We're going to try to add that later to the video. And so you can see that later, the images, if that's something you want to look up uh, in the future. And we are continuing to work through and get some of this, our audio visual stuff upgraded. And so as is happening with our with our world, there's a few things that are taking a little longer to make it Uh, from overseas in transport here but that's that's coming soon and so uh, we appreciate your your patience all right so I want to describe a little bit uh, my upbringing around Christmas my brothers and I were never the type to make out a wish list or to send Santa a letter I had plenty of friends who wrote it out, they, they spelled it out, there was no guessing, there was no wondering what they wanted, you just, you make up the list, you make it known, and, you know, that's not a bad way to go. They often got what they asked for. My brothers and I, we, we never made lists, but we absolutely made our longings known, especially when something new and exciting came out, like the Atari 2600. And when that thing hit the market, it opened a whole new world of possibilities that people in younger generations, it's, it's kind of hard to grasp because what Atari 2600 offered was to bring the arcade, your home. Games where those of us who grew up and they finally started to come out, those games, you had to go somewhere and you had to have pockets full of quarters to take with you and, and line up on those consoles. But now, Atari was promising to bring those to your home and they would put them on your TV. I don't know what kind of Buck Rogers' Star Trek world we're living in. But I want to go on that ride with you, Atari. Let's, let's do this thing. And rather than describe the, the glory of the Atari 2600, I chose just two short commercials I would show you. I'll let Atari tell you all about it. The Atari video computer system is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. You can't keep me in here, Atari? Don't listen tonight. Play it. You want to play Berserk? You're on. Hey, where are you going? What You can't play Berserk at home. Now you can. Atari! It's Berserk inside an electric maze. Where robots shoot with electric rays. Take that, Turkey! So look out, don't get trapped, or you might get zapped. Berserk is here from Atari. Can you do that? And only for systems from Atari. Have you played Atari today? Extraordinary graphics, aren't they? In fact, I, I want to show you a side-by-side of the graphics from when I was growing up and those today. Now, I'm going to give you a second. Can you figure out the difference? Which one is which? It may take you a moment. So go ahead and just, just soak that in uh, for a minute. So as soon as we saw those commercials, my brothers and I knew we had to let our parents know about this miraculous new machine but we had to be smooth about it. So sometimes we would work it into casual conversations. Hey, have you seen that new video game system known as Atari? No. Does it have amazing block graphics? Yes, like a collection of rectangles come to life. It's extraordinary. And at other times, one of us would just randomly break out into that very 70s jingle at the end of the commercial. Have you played Atari today? And in the other, that was their cue to say, not yet. It was really smooth. Our our parents never, never knew what was coming. Now, we weren't the first on the block to get in. In fact, we were several years late to that party, but but sometimes you just, you got to do what you got to do to get what you want, or more importantly, to get what you need. So my question this morning is, what is your strategy to get what you want, especially to get what you need, and you can imagine at this point, I'm not talking primarily about the kinds of things that you might find under a Christmas tree. I'm talking about the kinds of things that we would say are fundamental to being human, that are fundamental to life and life thriving in relationship with one another. I'm talking about things like love and grace and mercy, and forgiveness, and kindness, and patience, and you get the kinds of things that I'm talking about. So we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but when we are urged to be people of more grace, and love, and mercy, and all of those qualities, there are often two levers that are pulled in the New Testament. And one is to be reminded of all the ways that God is gracious and loving and merciful to us, and reminded of all the things that God has given us, like Luke 6:36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Or Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Or 1 John 4, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But there is another lever that is often pulled that is more pragmatic. It appeals to a different part of us that basically goes like this. The best way to get what you want or need is to give it. Give what you want to get, which is not to suggest if you're really wanting some power tools for Christmas, you go and buy those power tools for your wife, for example, so that she knows that that's what you want to receive. If that's what you hear from this sermon, that is a gross abuse of what I'm saying. And when you reap the whirlwind, don't come talk to me. That's on you. But what I'm talking about is is kind of the golden rule applied to love and grace and mercy. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets, which sounds oversimplistic, but you give what you want to get. Or this is how Jesus says it in Luke 6, starting in verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is painting a picture of someone at a market, and they're getting something like grain, for example. And we understand this, but this is probably a helpful reminder. When you bought something in the ancient world, and in fact, if you go to many markets throughout the world even today, The food you want to buy, like grain, it doesn't come in a box. It doesn't come pre-packaged with a weight stamped on the outside. And if you're at a place where they don't have a scale to get exactly what you've purchased, what you've asked for, then you are dependent on the merchant to give you what you paid for. So if you buy, for example, a cup of grain you want to receive a good measure, right? You want to receive a cup. You don't want to pay for a cup and get back a half a cup or three quarters of a cup. It reminds me of various lawsuits that hit the news from time to time, like one that showed up 10 years ago where a law firm in Alabama sued Taco Bell claiming the percentage of their beef in their uh, meat filling didn't measure up. Perhaps you remember when this made the news. And Taco Bell fired back. They took out full page ads throughout uh, the country and major newspapers. They wanted to set the record straight. No, our meat filling is actually made of 88% beef, real beef, and 12% secret recipe. Doesn't that sound exciting? Not only do I get 88% real beef, there's 12% mystery meat. This is delightful. This is, this is wonderful. Okay, I'm, I'm joking. That's spices and oats and water and all kinds of other stuff they, they make to put that together. But here's the reminder. People get very serious, sometimes very litigious about getting everything they paid for if I paid for it, I want what's just. I want what's fair. I want a good measure. But Jesus describes something more. When we are generous, when we give, then he paints the picture of someone who pours the correct amount into the bowl, and then they shake it to make sure you know there isn't any gaps there's not any air and then they press it down to make sure it is completely full it is a good measure and then something surprising happens they keep pouring and it overflows so much so that you're collecting the rest in your garment that is an amazing image it is an amazing verse now I feel obligated to tell you that it is a verse that is sometimes taken out of context and, and in my opinion abused by certain health and wealth gospel types where they make this almost exclusively about monetary giving. And so it's like a, a contribution Ponzi scheme. You, you give a dollar and you're going to get back a dollar ten every time. You, just, you know it's the investment that always pays off a higher yield than you put in. And Jesus is absolutely interested in generosity and overflowing generosity. But it's important to realize here that Jesus isn't primarily talking about money. He's talking about mercy. He's not talking for the most part about finances. What he's talking about is forgiveness. You dole out love, you dole out mercy, you dole out grace, you dole out forgiveness. And it comes back. In fact, it comes back in even greater amounts than you could ever give out on your own. That's the context. So look back at verse 36. i read this one, but you may not have connected that it was with this other verse. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And here's our verse. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I love that verse. It is power packed. If you don't want to receive judgment from others, then don't dish it out. If you don't want to receive condemnation from others, then don't dish it out. All the things that we find hurtful, all the things that we find harmful, if you don't want to receive it, don't give it. Pretty simple. And the other is also true. All the things that we know are vital for flourishing in our life and in our relationships. Grace and love and mercy and patience and kindness and all of those things go on and on. If you want to receive it, then give it. And the measure that you're hoping to receive that's how you measure it out to others and when you do it comes back pressed down shaken together running over pouring into your lap i find this to be a really good reminder for any time in life but i find it to be an especially good reminder considering all the things that all of us have been going through over the last couple of years we've talked about this a lot but people are on edge they're frazzled and they're tired and they're fed up and they're frustrated not all about the same things sometimes about opposite things What excites one, frustrates another. But we all find ourselves in this place where there's a lot of raw, exposed nerves. And couldn't we use a people who are pouring out grace and love and mercy on a regular basis because in my less than gracious moments, I'm struggling with patience. And I'm quick to judge. And It is so easy to put people in categories. Right and wrong. Black and white. Good or bad. The reason they don't do what I want and say what I want, and stand up when I would want them to stand up, and sit down when I would want them to sit down, is either they must be a monster, or they must be a moron. There's, there's no in-between. It's easy to put people in categories. Well, the reason they do what they do, as opposed to what I would want them to do, is they're either pure evil, or they're pure idiots. I don't know any other way to label it. So one act of grace and mercy and patience that I'm I'm working on in my heart, and it is an ongoing effort, is to leave room. In fact, work to fill in a better story in my mind for why people do what they do. When it's not what I would want them to do, I'm trying to create a better story in my mind because a lot of times we don't have the information. We don't know all that's going on for another person, all that's led them to the place where they're at. And so we make up stories. We all make up stories. I wanna make up a gracious story, I wanna tell myself a more merciful story. I want to replace in my mind condemnation with compassion. I want to fill in some understanding. I want to add the patience that I want to receive. I'm going to give. And the grace that I wish people would know if you only knew. I want to give without them asking. I want to be the secret Santa and give without them ever knowing. I'm I'm dishing out grace all through the day even though many times people will never know that that's what I've done. I've extended mercy without them ever seeing. I've extended grace without them ever asking. I've extended patience without them ever knowing. I want to close this morning with a story that models... This sort of generous grace and love and mercy and empathy hit the news uh, just recently. So last month, there was a bus carrying members of the Andrews High School Marching Band. Andrews is out in West Texas. It's about 30 miles from the New Mexico border. And they were traveling in the bus and it was a wrong way accident. Someone came the wrong way on one of those backroad highways. And I've spent more than my fair share of time out in West Texas. There's a lot of backroads highways out there. And someone came the wrong way and hit the bus. Three people died in the accident. Other students were injured. They were all devastated. One of the people that died was the band leader. Well, a few weeks later, there was supposed to be a holiday parade in Andrews. Every year, this town of about 14,000 people has a holiday parade. And right at the center of it, every year, is the Andrews High School marching band. And the organizers of the parade thought, well, the band students probably aren't going to want to do this parade this year, given, every, given everything they've gone through, and the fact that they are still grieving and mourning. But they decided, no, that's, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to honor those who lost their lives. We, we want to go through with this. But there was another problem. Along with the loss of lives, there was a loss of a lot of instruments, so there was someone who ran a music store about two hours away in Lubbock who read the story. He decided, he had a relationship with band leaders all over that part of Texas, in West Texas. So he started calling them up, saying, hey, they, they want to do this parade. Do you have any extra instruments that you can loan? He said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, hey, you know what might be interesting See if a few of your students would go and join them in the parade. Maybe, maybe kids from your band could go play with their band in the parade. They said, absolutely, we'll share. Well, the night of the parade came, and 1,400 high school band students from all over West Texas drove in to play. And they'd they'd learn the song and this town of 14,000 had 1,400 band members and they're all marching together and they're all playing together. And when reporters would go around and ask, you would hear what you would expect to hear. It's what I would hope someone would do for me. You hear words of empathy. I can only imagine what they're going through. So I want to be there with them it's the kind of kindness I would want someone to show it's the kind of love I would want someone to show in fact so many showed up that they had to reroute the parade route twice because this is a small town they don't normally have a big parade if you've ever been to a small town parade you know it's not that impressive but this one this one was something to behold so here's my encouragement for all of us over the coming weeks and even months. My challenge to you is my challenge for me. Look for ways to go out of your way to show mercy. Look for ways to be generous with grace. Many times in ways that the other person doesn't even know but you know because you're telling a different story because we're living a different story we're living the story of the love and the mercy and the grace of god don't don't be a scrooge with it be generous a good measure press down Shaken together. Pouring over. Because the measure you use, that's the measure that will be used for you.